Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we are revisiting one of my favorite talks from C-Suite Mastermind in Las Vegas, where Brett, the innovation lead over at Pilot House, really focuses on CRO in 2023 and the hit lists you need to be able to use to optimize both your landing pages and your product display pages. He goes into depth on some of the tech stack that he uses in order to optimize landing pages. It's his first time actually presenting. I was really happy to be able to provide the stage. He's someone that I've worked with at Pilot House since the very beginning. He's an absolute CRO force of nature. I'll just leave it there. I hope you enjoy Brett, innovation lead at Pilot House, talking about CRO at C-Suite Las Vegas. One of the biggest things with landing pages as marketers that are obsessed with copy and delivering a message, we love to read through it and dissect everything and want it to be as effective as possible and make the most sense to us. Problem with that is that's not how your users are reading their pages. Users skim pages, they're coming in looking for something, they're skimming to find it, and then they're gonna either leave your page or go purchase your product. And you need to build your content according to that. I'll show you some tools that you could use to digest all of this. I use hover time and heat maps a lot to kind of gauge this, see where people are looking for, see where they're going on your page, use that to prioritize content. Go read through your landing page, see how long it takes you. Go look at your average session time for somebody that clicks through. It's gonna be well under half of that, if not significantly less. In marketing, content is everything, but keeping up with the never-ending demand for UGC photos and videos along with generating product reviews at scale can be brutal. Coley solves this problem with their content generation platform. Coley is like a content fairy godmother, providing stunning photos, videos, and reviews that help turn your potential customers into happy ones. Bid farewell to exorbitant production costs and embrace the magic of Coley's solutions. World-renowned brands like Samsonite and Bonobos trust Coley's cutting-edge software an outrageously skilled customer success team to create the marketing assets they need. Transform your content game by visiting coley.com slash podcast. So, CRO in 2023, one of my favorite things about CRO, at least in the way I see it, the core principle of it never changes. It's really just delivering the user exactly what they're looking for when they click on the ad. If they have a grievance that they're looking to solve, if they have a question about the product, if they're skeptical about the social proof of it, all your job is on CRO is to deliver that expectation in the most timely manner possible so they can move forward and purchase your product. That's it, that never changes. What does change is those expectations of the users coming in, uh, what they're looking for, where they're coming from, how much attention span do they have. And that is changing so rapidly uh, between the new traffic sources we're seeing with things like YouTube Shorts, TikTok, Snapchat, where the attention span is just thrown out the window opposed to these traffic sources we were used to before, the types of media we're delivering. Uh, I'll go into an example of how you should look at UGC in relation to conversion rates, uh, but the expectations that a user has when they click a UGC ad and what they're looking for, what they're looking to be validated, night and day different from your traditional banner ad. So we'll look at ways to attack that. And again, we'll just get the importance of segmenting these tests uh, and respecting all of those things and treating your conversion rate tests accordingly. Uh, again, my biggest pet peeve is when people treat CRO like this binary thing. You get a landing page, you test it across all your traffic sources for two months, and you pass-fail it. To me, that's, again, as a media buyer, that's the same as testing one ad on one campaign, global targeting, and deciding that ad doesn't work. It's, you need to, I, I truly think of CRO in the same way I thought of and think of media buying, where your funnel is kind of like your campaign, lock that down high level, figure out how to bring that traffic in, then 
test those pages within the funnels, that's your ad sets, where you're optimizing the actual pages within those funnels, the content on those pages, how those are displaying. Then you get down to the ad level, where you're hyper-optimizing your creative and ad copy. That's where you're on the pages, changing button colors, button size, font weights, the way things are displaying, those really minute optimizations. That's going to be kind of the, I'm gonna, again, I'm going to show you a bunch of stuff. That's going to be the take home when I'm showing you all of this. Don't think of these tests as binary. I just have to implement this and roll this out. Uh, think of all of these things I'm showing you as a tool to attack and implement across all of these different segments. Uh, highly, highly recommend talking to your media buying team on this. Uh, this isn't this is a strategy problem, but the media buyers are the ones that understand these segments, they're in the audiences, they understand how things are segmented, they understand what audiences respond differently to different things. Bring this to them, give them this control to be able to um, segment these pages and split test accordingly. Okay, let's dive right into it. So we're gonna talk about landing pages first. Landing pages are one of our absolute favorite tools at Pilothost to help serve clients. Uh, they have a whole bunch of different advantages. Uh, the, Best one that synergizes really well with everything I just spoke about is just so easy to iterate, develop, and move quickly on them. Um, if you want to test 30 different angles, 30 different pieces of ad copy, 30 different types of pages, you can deploy that really easily without messing up the cadence of Shopify. Uh, there's usually no dev resources involved. If you use something like Instapage, ClickFunnels, pick your poison, there's tons of them out there. It's just so, so easy to be mobile, and also having them segmented really clearly as a separate page is another great tool. It's really easy to benchmark conversion rates when all the traffic's going in one place and out another place, and you're not having to matrix things out, and you're losing attribution and things like that. So we love the landing pages for that reason. Another great thing about landing pages, again, we'll talk a lot about the weight that load time plays in conversion rate. Spoiler alert, it's a huge amount. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, but generally, PDPs and landing pages are going to be a lot faster uh, than something you might build on Shopify or another, another resource that may be pulling a lot more data from it on the commerce side of things and slowing that page down. And of course, Marketer's Dream is just a lot of real estate to tell your story and communicate things uh, to your user. Uh, a few, not necessarily downsides, but just considerations when you're using landing pages and pre-sales. Like I said, there are cases, um, depending on where they are in the funnel, uh, where what the user wants and what your job is to serve them is for them to buy the product as fast as humanly possible. This is commonly seen on more retargeting type traffic further down in the funnel, fifth, sixth, seventh touch point. Uh, when you get to that point, putting in a, put a landing page there is just something that's in the way of the PDP for them to purchase. So you need to consider that as well, just whether or not you're using one. Uh, treat that again as one of your variables when you're figuring things out. Consumers are also getting a lot smarter and realizing the role that landing pages play in the marketing funnel. Um, and sometimes if you're building them in a totally separate platform that's not integrated with Shopify at all or your end, end platform, uh, you lose continuity, which is becoming a big issue where people are realizing they're going from a landing page that looks like a fake NBC ad and then they're going to XYZ product. People now realize that, oh, I'm getting marketed to. I'm very intentionally realizing what's happened here, where if everything's very synchronous, everything's in line, all your buttons, your color palettes match the exact same, your header, everything looks all in line, it's much easier to have that be such a much more smooth experience for the user. Again, just something to consider and something that's very easy to overcome. But yeah, so that's why we love landing pages. Let's go over how to crush them. Uh, so again, talking about the types of content uh, that you're leading from landing pages and really considering that to the audiences and some sort of users that you're serving them to. I'm going to use the duality of UGC versus more standard banner ads because that's obviously something that's blowing up. Uh, be surprised if there's anybody in this room that doesn't have a UGC ad active in their ad account right now. Let's talk about it. So on your traditional banner ad, this is your OG Facebook doing this for 15 years. Picture your product, looks all pretty, go over your features, everything. The user understands what the product is, they understand how it works, uh, you've told them all of the USPs, great. 
They click the ad. What they're looking for from that, they're looking, um, they know the what, um, they need to know the why. Uh, they need that social proof, they need the validation, they need to understand why they should buy this thing even though they understand that thing. That's where more of a advertorial or I, I call them like emotional style landing page comes in. Again, these are your traditional landing pages, long firm storytelling, very copy heavy. VSLs are another really common tool to deliver this, like founder stories, in-depth user stories, a lot of UGC, a lot of organic imagery. The idea is to take that click that's sold on the what and deliver them the why. Very intentional. Um, and again, we use these types of pages all the time and they tend to perform very well with more standard banner style ads. Moving on to something like UGC. We're on the same platform, targeting the same audience, same everything, the only difference is the ad. Polarizing night and day though, when the user comes in on this ad for a kettle, they know this kettle makes best coffee, it makes you smile, makes you happy, makes you feel good in the morning. You don't know what color it is, you don't know like, what the exact features are, you don't know how quickly it heats up. You have the why, but you don't know the what. Again polarizing, polarizing, and the fact that there's even a consideration of just throwing the same landing page behind those and expecting it to perform the same is gross to me. <laughs> so again, this is just a, an exercise in thinking of where that traffic is coming from and how you're serving it. Uh, for UGC, we see a lot of success. Uh, I call them technical PDPs, I, just our kind of internal name for them. This is almost more akin to the content you'd see in a PDP without the aggression of the product right at the top. A lot of high quality imagery, a lot of uh, very clear, here's how it works, a lot of comparison tables, making it really clear to the user that this is the product, this is what it looks like in a proper studio focused environment. And hopefully at that point, they get to have the why, they get the what from your landing page, ready to buy when you go through. Cool. So we're going to jump right into the type of things you should be looking at when you're optimizing these landing pages. Again, each one of these elements, think of it as a block of things that you could test and move around between all your different pages as you're optimizing them between your audiences. One of the biggest things with landing pages that as marketers that are obsessed with copy and delivering a message, uh, we love to read through it and dissect everything and want it to be as effective as possible and make the most sense to us. The problem with that is that's not how your users are reading their pages. Users skim pages, they're coming in looking for something, they're skimming to find it, and then they're gonna either leave your page or go purchase your product. And you need to build your content according to that. Um, there's a, I'll show you some tools that you could use to digest all of this. Um, I use uh, hover time and heat maps a lot to kind of gauge this, see where people are looking for, see where they're going on your page, use that to prioritize content. Um, and one of the best ways you could do that outside of writing and considering that is using font weights, using colors, using icons, anything that's a really important USP, put an icon next to it so people see it, they visually see, oh, I'm looking for that is collapsible, it's a little collapse thing, that makes sense, easy. Really take a step back and make sure that this page is gonna cater to somebody that's looking at it for 30 seconds, even though you sitting there reading it would take two, three minutes to go through it. Again, like genuinely, Go read through your landing page, see how long it takes you. Go look at your average session time for somebody that clicks through. It's gonna be well under half of that, if not significantly less. Yeah, that's gonna be one of the main ones. There's a few tools to achieve this, uh, but we'll move her on. Uh, so similar to a skimmability, um, I've called them beacon colors. That's like your main attention grabbing color that you could use and train the user to realize that this is where their eyes should go. This is something you wanna use very, very sparingly. The more you use it, the less weight it has. Uh, pick something that's not on your brand palette, obviously, so it's not anywhere else. It can work alongside your brand. Again, something like this case where this yellowy orange works well with the brand, or the polar opposite of that is use something like bright pink or orange or green that's very standoffish and very contrasting. Again, that's that's a perfect example of something you'll want to split test on the page. Uh, use this for buttons, use this for banners, use this in highlighted text box to show clear USPs. 
Another really big thing about the beacon color, especially on landing pages, is make sure, again, there's continuity between it and your PDP. Uh, the beacon color, you can almost think of the landing page as training people to realize that every time I see this orange color, it's something that I should really look at and respect. If you could train that um, mindset in your user on your site, by the time they get to the PDP, they already have that, oh, orange means look, go to your PDP, button says buy, I click buy, just because that's been ingrained in my mind from the landing page. Crucial, again, use these colors sparingly, um, but experiment with them again. Use heat maps um, with tools, again, I'll show you some options um, to see how these are, are moving the attention around and how you could better cater them. Uh, so this one, I, I truly think this is non-negotiable. If your landing pages don't have this, please, please, please put it on. Uh, you should have a sticky footer. Uh, again, the landing pages, people are going there looking for a piece of information and then looking to move on as soon as they find that. Um, if there's not an easy way to move on, the next easiest thing to do is click that X at the top and keep scrolling TikTok. Uh, sticky footer, super easy to implement. If you're using a drag and drop landing page software where it's not available natively, hire somebody on Fiverr. They'll code it for you in a matter of minutes. It's a really, really simple integration. And it is absolutely crucial, again, to make sure that when that person finds what they need, that sticky footer is there to catch them. Uh, with sticky footers, um, make sure they're not populated above the fold. So that means when the user comes in, you don't want that sticky footer to be there because you want as much screen real estate as possible above the fold on that first click, which again, we'll address later. Uh, but with a sticky footer, clear call to action. If your product accommodates it and you have a simple enough set of SKUs, SKU selection is great as well. Uh, you can send the person to two places uh, from the sticky footer. Uh, you can either just have it go through to the PDP uh, and just have it be a binary click through. Uh, you could have it go with the SKU selection and then pre-select that SKU when you click through to the PDP. Super easy to do, and just when you link out to your Shopify website, just add the variant that that color or whatever your SKU is. Uh, the last option, especially if you have a more aggressive PDP, something like the more technical PDP as opposed to the storytelling ones, uh, you could send them direct to a Shopify cart. Again, super easy to do. There's a way to just grab a link and go there, and the, the user goes right to the cart. Non-negotiable, do it, please. Uh, again, on the skimmability front, anything that's a long list or a menu, nest it in dropdowns. Uh, this is really common for FAQs, product features, things like that. Uh, put a lot of thought into these as well if you're using these menus. Uh, weight them very heavily when you're looking at it and understanding what people are clicking on. Um, if somebody has the intention to go to a menu and click on something, not only is that very clearly what they're looking for, but it also has that psychological um, sticking point of clicking on something and actually taking an action opposed to just reading it, similar to just watching a a lecture versus taking notes while you're doing it, that active engagement on that thing and triggering that dropdown does hold quite a bit of weight. And again, just improve skimmability by shortening up that content. Uh, introduce upsells early. There's kind of two different ways to do this. Uh, you could effectively hard sell your upsells, have the bundles, have the prices very clearly down at the bottom of your page. Uh, or you could also soft sell or even just slightly hint at them. If you have a complimentary product, like for the kettle, if you have a little, uh, little coffee holder thing. Introduce that that is something in the SKU set. Introduce the fact that this is how this thing could be used. You don't even have to say that it's something you sell, but at least have the user thinking about it and realizing that it's there and it's an option, just so when you shove it down their throat, when they get to their cart, it doesn't surprise them. They realize and they understand and they realize the context that this thing exists in. Again, there's no right or wrong. Split test them. Uh, one of these might work with a more further down the funnel audience. One might work better with a TikTok quick versus a Facebook quick. There's no right and wrong. You'll need the data on your specific product to be able to tell that. Uh, 
Uh, top banners, obviously, I think probably everybody has one of these in their Shopify store, uh, but I find they get missed a lot on landing pages. Uh, a really great way to convey information, a really great way to grab attention as well, and a really good tool to, when we talked about continuity and making sure things are matching up uh, between your landing page and your PDP. Uh, having the matching banner is a really great start. People scan pages from top to bottom. When they navigate to that landing page, they'll see that matching banner. They'll realize they're at home. They're somewhere they just were. They'll keep engaging without any um, resistance whatsoever. Are you a Shopify brand owner looking to win, keep, and grow your customers? Everyone knows apps are fast becoming the best way to increase retention and boost sales. A sleek and engaging app normally means two things, time and money. But AppTile have changed the game. Their seamless, no-code editor enables beautiful, personalized journeys for every customer. And with their free plan, nothing is stopping you from getting started. You'll pay as you grow, not as you go. So whether you're just starting out or a Shopify superstar, head over to apptile.com today and start designing your dream app. Uh, so social proof. Obviously the bread and butter of, of most copy and, and closing. Landing pages are a really great tool to test out the best uh, type of social proof to display to your users. Uh, there's a few different ways you could attack it. I love building totally custom widgets on the page and using uh, the fact that you have a drag and drop builder to test how these reviews are displayed. Uh, build the most extravagant review um, display you can, hire a designer, build it totally ob objectively without any interactability, and see how that goes. If that goes well, you get that built out as its own Shopify widget eventually. It's a really good, really uh, easy place to do that type of testing. You could also bring in your Shopify reviews. A lot of the major review widgets, uh, or the review plugins rather, uh, have iframe widgets that you can actually pull and just embed directly on your landing page. Uh, it's a really, way to make, a really good way to just set it and forget it, have those things stay constantly synced up. Uh, and use GIFs uh, for, this is especially on mobile, um, if you have similar sets of content that you're trying to display, try not to put them all side by side or top to bottom. Um, throw them in a GIF or a short form video. The, the weight on the page will actually be quite a bit less if you do it in this way as well. Uh, and again, just much more efficient way to use screen real estate while still grabbing the attention. The movement that a GIF and video offers is also a really good way to, again, help steer the eye. Uh, lastly, this is one we just recently started doing, and we're seeing a lot of success. Uh, using a sticky, um, in the same way that you utilize a sticky footer, a sticky UGC review or even like product overview video at the bottom of the landing page. Um, crucial that there's a little X to be able to close it and that you have a little description of what the video is at the bottom left so there's context and people don't just feel like it's totally out of nowhere. Again, really great way to display UGC, um, have that content on the page without taking up all that super valuable real estate that you want uh, to be able to allow people to find what they're looking for. Uh, use lists and again, visuals to help people really clearly understand possibly more complex multi-step things. This could be your shipping process, this could be your return process, this could be how the product is used. Anytime there's an opportunity to clearly visualize something in a simple step one, step two, step three process, it's often the best way to explain things. Again, you have those visuals to help aid it. It's usually easy enough to break it down into short, digestible little chunks of text uh, that people could skim through and get the idea of exactly what's gonna happen or what needs to happen. 
comparison tables, another big one, uh, kind of two vehicles to attack here. There's the comparing to your competitors, and then there's comparing to your own internal product line. Uh, this is a really good kind of Trojan horse to help you display a bunch of your product features um, without having a big arduous list or having to kind of spread them out across the page. Not only are you making these comparisons, um, but you literally have a list there of all the product's features in a really visual, easy to interact with means. So this is, even if you don't have a direct competitor to compare to, see if there's a way that you can work this in, because again, it's just a really great visual way to display a bunch of features super efficiently. Uh, so a few key pieces of software here before we get into the PDP and above the fold stuff. This is kind of uh, the stack of stuff you, you need to be using if you want to test this stuff in an efficient way and not just go crazy matrixing it all out. LogRocket is a recent tool we started using. It's very similar to Hotjar, if anybody's familiar with that, um, but a lot of it runs server-side and it's not as, uh, there's not as much weight on the page that slows it down. It's also super, super extensive. It has heat mapping, uh, it has funnel reporting, it has like hover reporting, it has clicks on any elements, not just buttons, and it tracks and logs them automatically. You could build really in-depth reports on it. It is a fantastic piece of software and I recommend you check it out. I use that for uh, when we first launch a page, make sure that everything looks good, check the recordings, again, look at the hover maps, see if those attention-grabbing details I'm adding in are actually uh, catering the same experience that I intended. Uh, browser stack is another big one. We'll talk about the importance of making sure that your page is built properly and displaying on devices right. Browser stack pretty much lets you test your pages on every combination of device, operating system, everything in one click, easy way. Uh, a fantastic tool and you'll probably find a lot of broken stuff that you don't even realize. Uh, and then for active testing, um, Google Optimize, for those who aren't familiar, effectively what it does is it allows you to put a little bit of code on your page and split test an element within it. Uh, so say a headline, for example, if you want to test uh, two different headlines, you go on Google Optimize and you set up a test. You say, I want to split test this headline versus this headline, and it will set up that test and do it on the optimized side. It integrates really seamlessly with analytics uh, to also um, gauge the performance of those tests on whatever KPIs you choose. Uh, Google Optimize is, however, being sunsetted and won't be around for much longer. Uh, so Optimizely is a very similar, if not identical, product with a bunch of other great features uh, that include traffic routing to help you split test things, not necessarily on the page level, but if you want to split out two separate pages. Uh, cool. So. We're gonna talk about PDPs, and I'm gonna focus exclusively on above the fold. Uh, this applies for pre-sales as well, but I wanna focus more on the content side, and we chatted about that. Above the fold is one of your most important metrics uh, on the CRO side of things. Uh, we are in a very, very short attention economy <laughs> between Snapchat, Reels, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, which feeds into why the load time is so important. I mentioned that a few times. Uh, but Every single thing that shows above the fold is of trem tremendous value, and everything you're lacking above the fold is impacting equally negative. Make sure you use that tool like LogRocket. We'll go through the stuff you should be looking out for. Don't just do the classic inspect on Google Chrome, look at it on mobile, and then pass-fail it. Uh, you really need to look at all of the different devices out there on the market and make sure, especially if it's a high-weighted uh, traffic device on your, your platform, uh, that you're optimizing it on an individual level. Another big thing we're seeing a lot of rise on is large form and tablet traffic. I don't honestly know the reason why this is, but we've seen our, our tablet traffic go up like across the board 10, 15% in the last year or two. Um, go through all that, check them using those tools like Browser Stack. Also just look objectively yourself. Uh, one of the biggest things people don't realize when you're looking at conversion rates and you're doing it objectively in your browser, pretty much every click that comes in is hosted within uh, the actual ad platform's browser itself. So when you click on a Facebook ad, you're not going to Chrome, you're not going to Safari on your phone. 
your entire session is hosted in Facebook, and same goes for TikTok, um, same goes for YouTube. For iOS, that's a Safari-based browser, uh, and for Android, that's a Chromium-based browser. They're very similar to Safari and Chrome, but there can be some weird little quirks there. Uh, the best way to kind of attack that and just make sure everything looks good, uh, I found I generally just go in and I DM myself a link to my landing page, that will open it inside your internal browser and just make sure it all looks good. Uh, another big quirk with TikTok that a lot of people don't realize, uh, TikTok actually cuts off about one-eighth of your page. There's a really weird browser nav bar on certain uh, CTA clicks that will really shorten up your page. So you want to consider that as well. And we, we have a few templates that we use exclusively for TikTok just because of that. Uh, the last thing with Above the Fold is make sure everything's clickable. Again, that's that first real estate that the user sees right when they hit the page. If they're looking for something, um, if it's a review, if it's a price, if it's color, you want to make sure that if that's what they're interested in, if they click that, it takes them somewhere to expand on that. They don't have to scroll down to get it. Uh, okay, number one pet peeve Above the Fold, without question, is not using one-by-one -one images on mobile. It is takes up so much extra space, unless you have a very specific branding case that really, really requires it. Please check this, and if it's not absolutely needed, make sure you're getting rid of it. On top of that, if possible, um, remove all of your navigation images as well. Don't have them down below here, because again, that's adding another eighth of your space um, on your above the fold. Uh, you can either put them on the side here, or really, like we've reached a point now where users understand how to navigate PDPs. They understand that swiping to the right or left is going to show them the extra images that are there. It's really just implied at this point. Uh, they also know that if they want to see a color, they could select the color swatch, and it will display that color to them. In most cases, having the images displayed as your secondary images is tends to be a waste of space, but please, please, please make sure your mobile images are one-by-one one aspect ratio. Uh, make sure your SKU selection, uh, if you have a product that has multi-SKUs, uh, if it's any more than one unit high, uh, make sure that you're putting a nested image drop-down. You want to avoid that monstrosity on the left. Again, super inefficient, really not above the fold friendly, and just really tough to interact with as a user, really easy to make mistakes on. Uh, reviews, again, make sure your reviews are above the fold. In most cases, this will be. Um, a lot of the times, if you have the space for it, you can also throw in a few reviews or even like visual cues to them as well and make sure they're clickable. Um, that's actually one of the most clicked on elements we see on PDPs is reviews. Most Shopify extensions will accommodate this anyway, but make sure that when your reviews are clicked on, the user's going to navigate down there. Uh, this is a big one, and again, this is one of the things you'll want to look out for on browser stack when you're going through it and looking on individual devices. Um, make sure your widgets aren't interfering with your key CTAs. Um, the widgets can be anything from Wheelio or Clavio or some chatbot, whatever you have on there. A lot of the times, the widget ends up landing right on top of your quiz CTA or your add to cart button, God forbid. Um, make sure that that's going to be one of the first things you want to look for when you're auditing through things, and that's like a DEF CON level thing. Get that out of there immediately. Uh, two different ways you could solve that. Remove the widget, or basically don't have the widget show up right away above the fold. Only render it when the user begins to scroll down. Uh, same thing above the fold, banners, we've talked about these before. Make sure these are clickable is the, the main takeaway here. Uh, we already talked about them on the pre-sale side of things. If you are using a pre-sale, make sure they match up for continuity. Uh, but again, if it's a free shipping banner, links either directly to the product or to your shipping policy. Uh, if it's a bundle, make sure you're going direct to that bundle and that SKU. Uh, tighten up your nav menus. Uh, the nav menus are very clearly in the same way that the swiper image user know how to interact with them. Same goes for the menus. The menus are just a tool to navigate around on the page. 
tighten it up, make it easy to interact with, and don't fill it with a bunch of extra stuff. You have a little bit more wiggle room on desktop, um, but on mobile, keep it really clean. That is a tool to let users get where they're going. You don't want to muddy that with uh, extra imagery or extra icons that might interfere with that. Make sure that's a tool very clearly available to the user, and make sure it's taking up as little real estate as possible. It's a really easy change to make in Shopify themes. Um, it's just changing some CSS to adjust the height, and you can do it dynamically by certain devices, uh, something any uh, developer, outsourcer, or internal could handle very, very easily. Uh, make sure pricing and CTA are above the fold. As a media buyer, this was a big one for me. Um, pricing is obviously one of the main things that offers a lot of drop-off for people. And really, if the person is going to leave because of the price and they've already gone through the pre-sell and they already understand the product, you want that person off the page as quickly as possible. The reason for that is a negative data point in Facebook or to your pixel is just as valuable as a positive data point. Facebook pixel to TikTok pixel, they use uh, session time as a very big indicator. Uh, so if price is the issue and the user's not going to buy it because it's too expensive, you want them to hit the page and get off there as quickly as possible. Uh, so you feed that data point back to your media platform and tell them it's a, this is what my user doesn't look like, opposed to feeding it positive data points and doing the inverse. Uh, if you don't have the real estate for above the fold, put your price on the button. Uh, again, this is a pretty significant one that I tend to try to hit home on, on every single PDP. Again, little checklist. Uh, once you implement all this, use your found new above the fold real estate uh, to cater whatever, whatever your best way that you found um, to resonate with your users is, whether that's a, a much more in-depth review that you want to put above the fold, whether that's a benefit-driven like value prop, or that might even be like clickable badges to help uh, increase uh, trust with on the payment side of things, or clickable badges to represent your shipping policy or a feature of the product or anything along those lines. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.